0: Amen. If you would, please take a copy of God's Word this morning and open it up to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, as we continue our series focused on the freedom that we have in Christ. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a big misconception pertaining to Christianity, and a lot of people think that the Christian life is about a bunch of rules and regulations, ritual, routine. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to someone and, you know, trying to lead them to Christ, and, and they would always throw in, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be a Christian because it's, it's too much, too, too many rules for me to follow. And it just goes to show me how. Uh, how, how wrong people can be when it comes to the Christian life. And sometimes that spills over even, even within the body of Christ. And we tend to think that, you know, living the Christian life is, is a bunch of, of, of rules. It's, you know, do this, don't do that, you know, uh, clean your life up and just, you know, just endless uh, effort and, and ritualism and just it just it can become so overwhelming The truth be told, Jesus came to free us from all of that. He came to free us from the rules and the regulations. He came to free us from uh, rituals because God in his infinite wisdom knows that when we're focused on the rules and we're focused on the rituals, those things are lifeless. They can't give life. They can't change your life. They can't renew your life. It's a waste. It's powerless. And so God knows that none of that will ever, ever serve and and work His perfect will and perfect plan in our life. Only He uh, can give us life. Not rules, not, not the law. The law doesn't give us life. In fact, we'll be talking about this later during uh, this, the uh, this series, not today, but later on, that the purpose of the law wasn't to show us how we can be acceptable to God and how we can earn uh, God's favor and, and get a thumbs up from God. No, the purpose of the law was to really inform us and tell us, guess what, we're sinners. It's because of the law we're condemned the law doesn't bring salvation. The law doesn't save us. It's powerless. Rules are powerless. And, and God knows that, that if we're focused on that or we focus on routines and rituals, those things, they leave us empty. And they become lifeless and we just kind of go through the motion and, 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 and we get bored that's why I always say this, man, if you're bored in your Christian life, you're probably, you're probably embracing rituals and routines and rules. Those things will leave you dry, they'll leave you bored, they'll leave you empty. However, if you're embracing Christ, who is life, if you're embracing, He, he came to give us life and life to the max, if you're embracing Him, man, your Christian life should not be boring. It should be anything but boring. And so the purpose of Galatians is that Paul is calling God's people, right, the true Christian. He's calling them to live their life by faith in Christ and to enjoy, embrace the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is writing to prevent Christians from becoming legalists. A legalist is someone who says, well, if, if you're going to be a Christian... All right? If you're going to be a child of God, yes, you have to believe in Jesus, however, you have to do this, and you have to do this, and there are these things in your life, and you have to get rid of this, and, 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 and what happens is you, you've, you've changed. You've moved from the state of grace, and now you're under law. Now you're under the rules. You move from a state of grace to a state of works, and guess what? Our works will never, ever, ever earn us a place in heaven. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's a place for our works. James says, faith without works is dead. But works is always after faith, never before faith. Faith. Faith is always after salvation, after experiencing Jesus, after, after embracing God's grace, after the Holy Spirit comes into us and He is beginning this work in our life and He's developing us and He's producing within us uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Then our works come into play. But if you put works before salvation, you have a false gospel. You have a false way. You have a religion. And so Paul is preventing Christians from, from changing their stance and, and starting off under grace and moving towards being legalistic. Now here's the danger. Because I know some people will say, Well, is that I mean, is that really true? Can can God's people do that? Absolutely. God's people can start off just enjoying the grace of god enjoying that we've been saved by god's grace through faith not of our works man we're so excited you know when we first come to know jesus we're just so excited about all that god has done for us and we're just we're just blown away by that but as we begin to mature and as we begin to take our 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 journey in faith something happens and we begin to veer from that and we start to turn to now our performance well, I don't want God to punish me, and I don't want God to, you know, I don't want to lose my salvation, which is a, a false doctrine, by the way. But we have in our mind that if I keep on working, if I keep on doing these things that 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 you know I should be doing, we're focused on that, and we we've, we've shifted. Now, people say, "Is that is that really a threat within the church?" Yes. You say, well, "How do you know?" because Paul's writing about it and he's writing to Christians who were being duped God's people who 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 trusted in Jesus Christ they were being persuaded from standing in the state of grace and moving over to a works-based religion they were being persuaded. So yes, it is a it is a real prominent threat, even to our day and age now. So Paul's writing this this letter. Uh, last Sunday we learned that the good news, the gospel that Paul declare, declares, is a message of grace. And we talked a little bit about that. I want us to pick up with verse eleven this morning. Paul says. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the Christian here. He's not talking to the unsaved. He's talking to the saved. He's not talking to the unchurched. He's talking to the church. He says, I want you to know. In other words, what he's saying is "This, this is something you want to pay attention to, all right? This is a fact that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. He says, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted, persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, So that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went to Arabia, and then later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. That's Peter. All right, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. And the reason why Paul is writing this is because false teachers, Judaizers, had come behind Paul. Paul had started these churches in Galatia. All right, He returns back to Damascus after his first missionary journey. And false teachers just kind of invaded the church. And they were teaching these these new Christians that in order to be saved, you had to, yes, believe in Jesus. But you also had to keep the law. You had to, there was some work you had to do to complete your salvation. And Paul's writing this letter to really uh, refute and oppose these Judaizers. And one of the things that the Judaizers were doing was that they were trying to discredit Paul's authority, Paul's ministry, his character. They were trying to assassinate his character. And what they were saying is, listen, you can't trust Paul, all right? Paul, uh, uh, Paul is he's he's late to the game all right he's not a true apostle uh he's making this stuff up uh and so so they're really trying to um discredit paul and so paul is writing um to really give them uh something to sink their teeth in uh he's he's sharing his heart he's very passionate about this he's he's uh very protective of the good news of god's grace and he's sharing with them. and He says, listen, what I'm writing to you is, is no lie. He says, then I went to Syria and uh, Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. The only, uh, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now, there's two verses that I want us to focus in. On this morning, uh, verse 15 and verse 16, Uh, Paul says, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. And so there's some observations that I want us to see this morning. Uh, first, First thing that I want us to understand, or first thing that I want us to see, is that God's perfect plan includes imperfect people. God's perfect plan includes imperfect people. You see, one of the things that we need to understand is that Paul wasn't perfect. right? Paul had his shares of faults. Paul, you know, Paul wasn't always Paul. He, he, he was somebody who was pretty evil, pretty wicked. Uh, he wanted nothing to do with Christ. He wanted nothing to do with the church. He wanted to stop it all. Uh, he was by, by far, man. I mean, he was, he, he didn't have it all together. Yet God calls him to represent Christ. To preach Christ, to share Christ, to tell others of the glorious news, the gospel of God's grace. And so God uses imperfect people because, listen, we're, we're, it's the imperfect people that need God's grace, right? How many of us are perfect? None of us. We're all imperfect, and I think that's another misconception that many have, many outside of the church, you know, they, they tend to look in at, at us in the church and they say, you know, you, 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 you guys think you're perfect. Again, that's false. Because when we understand that, no, we're, we're not perfect, we're imperfect people, we worship a perfect God. We love a perfect Savior, a perfect Savior who died for our imperfections. If there's anything that that could be said about us as far as us being perfect, is this we're perfectly imperfect. Man, we're messed up. But when we understand God's plan, God specializes in using imperfect people to share the glorious news of God's grace that we've been freed. And so sometimes we get the wrong idea that God only uses people who have it all together, uh, people who have never made a mistake. And so in these verses, Paul shares uh, his testimony, his story of how his life uh, was prior to coming to know Jesus, how messed up it was. In fact, uh, every chance that Paul had, he was always sharing his testimony, his story. Uh, we have it here in Galatians, uh, but if you, you don't have to turn there, but Acts chapter 22, when Paul was standing among his own people, uh, he shares his testimony, he shares uh, how his life was before he came to know Jesus, he shares how he came to know Jesus, he shares now what God is doing in his life, that's Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26, when Paul is standing before King Agrippa, again, he he shares his testimony. He takes advantage of the opportunity and he says to Agrippa, let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about the person I used to be. Let me tell you about the person I met. And now let me tell you about the person I'm becoming. And so Paul shares his testimony uh, and he shares it right here. Uh, Now, A testimony is something that you personally experienced. If you were to get a subpoena, to go to court, to testify, the courts, in other words, what the courts are asking you to do is to come to the court and to share your experience, to share what you've witnessed. That's what it means to testify. In other words, if you were, if you were at the intersection of uh, West Atlantic and Military Trail and you saw an, an automobile accident, you, you witnessed that, all right? And so uh, the cops come and they fill out the report and the, the, it goes to court and you're listed as a witness and the court subpoena you to come into the court and to share what you saw. You are a witness. You're called to testify. You're going to share your side of the story, You're going to share what you personally experienced, what you saw with your own two eyes. That's what it means to testify. It means to share your personal experience, to share your story, your personal story. In fact, if you remember, Jesus told his disciples, he says, you will be my witnesses. You will share your story starting here. And moving outward to the ends of the earth you will you will share your story about what God has done for you what Christ has done for us that's what it means to to testify or to share your testimony or share your story now there's a difference between having information and having experience all right there's a difference between uh, knowing about something and having an experience about something in other words, I could I could turn this uh, uh, message into a, a teachable moment, and we're going to talk about sharks. All right. And I can, you know, tell you about different kinds of sharks and how big they can get. And I could do a lot of research, show you some videos about sharks and tell you where they live and uh, how sharp their teeth are. And, and I could just give you a whole bunch of facts about sharks. And we can leave this place having somewhat of an understanding about sharks. We, we, we know, uh, you know, what a shark looks like and, uh, you know, we, we know how sharp their teeth are and and where they live, uh, and different types of uh, uh, sharks there are, and how big and small they can get, and what they like to eat. We, could, we can have this, this time of just being bombarded with information. That's different than you swimming out in the Atlantic Ocean, and a shark comes up. You've personally now experienced a shark. You know what a shark is because you, you've come face to face with a shark. Right? You can talk about a shark, you can talk. Let, me, let me share with you my experience with a shark. It's different. In fact, many times if you're looking for a job, employers, well they like the fact that you have knowledge of your, your field, whatever you're trying to get a job about, whether you went to school uh, pertaining to that uh, position of employment, uh, but what really they like, they like experience. What experience do you have? What hands-on do you have? And that's what sharing your faith, sharing your testimony, sharing your story is not giving people a bunch of facts about Jesus. It's not that. It's telling people your personal experience with Jesus. See, a lot of people have information about Jesus. They have knowledge. They know who Jesus is. They have facts about Jesus. They know. They know, yeah, He existed but it's not that. It's moving that information 16 inches or so from your head to your heart to have a personal experience, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, here's why this is so important people can debate doctrine, even Christians. You could put two Christians in a room. And start talking about a doctrine and and sooner or later it can turn into a, de- a debate. Well, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. I don't believe that. And we can, we can debate doctrine. Or you can debate, um, you can debate the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, talking about somebody, you know, out, out, out. Unchurched or whatever, talk about the Bible. Well, there's a lot of inconsistencies in the Bible. How do you know the Bible was really written by uh, by God? And you know, you know, man is, is is you know, we all make mistakes. How do you know the Bible didn't have anything? We can we can argue the Bible. We can argue uh, doctrine. We can argue theology. All those things, the facts out there, we can argue. But listen, nobody can argue your personal experience. Nobody can argue that. You start to share your personal experience. Let me let me share what I personally experience. I I can't argue that. You You can't argue my personal experience. And so when you when you go from knowledge, when you go from information and just dumping facts on people, and you help them discover for themselves the experience, the encounter with Jesus, now there's a difference. There's a difference. See, God wants us to be ready to share our story, our personal experience, how how we came to know Jesus Christ, how we came to know that Jesus is real, how we came to know that Jesus is our Savior, how we came to know the grace of God, how how we came to experience and encounter Christ, the freedom that he provides. Listen to what. Peter says, the Bible says this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to share it. Always be ready. Man, if somebody comes up and they say, hey man, why are you a Christian? Man, you should be ready. You should be ready to, to share your story. To tell others. So let's talk about that real quick. Uh, how? Uh, how, how to share our story, how to share our experience. Uh, there's basically three components, right, to sharing your testimony, your story, all right? There's before, how, and after, all right? Write, write this down, all right? Because God's called us to share our faith. God's called us to tell others about Jesus Christ, or as one person once said, it's one beggar telling another beggar where we found the bread, all right? And so we need to be able to communicate where we found the bread, all right? Right. In, in, in this series of finding freedom in Christ and experiencing the freedom that we have in Christ, you know, Paul, Paul's saying, let, me, let freedom ring. Others need to know about the freedom we can have in Christ. So our testimony, our story, we can tell our story in three segments. Before, how, and after. And so let's talk about this. First, before. Before Jesus, my life was blank. Before I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, my life was blank. What was your your life like before you came to know Jesus? Listen to Paul's former lifestyle. He says in verse 13, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So we always want to share our story. We we want to start off with, let me share with you, let me tell you my life prior to coming to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Now, sometimes uh, we think that our testimony... And this is this is it, 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 we kind of get this mindset. It's the wrong mindset. We start to think, well, you know what? My testimony isn't as good as someone who has been freed from drugs, or my testimony isn't as good as someone uh, who has, you know, he they, they've done some some hard time uh, in prison. Uh, they've committed some some serious criminal acts, and God, you know, God saved them, and they have an incredible testimony, uh, or or someone who's just, you know, man, they just had a wild life, and, and God freed them from that. God saved them, and, and you, see, we tend to look at those people and we say, well, yeah, well, yeah, you know, man, praise God that they that that, that they came to know Jesus. Praise God that He saved them because they needed it, right? And so we tend to think, you know what, our testimony isn't as good as that. Our testimony is, is, you know, is boring, and that's, that's false. Every single testimony is special. And God can use every single person's testimony. God can use your testimony. You see... The story, the testimony of someone who's sharing their life, who God freed them from a life of drugs, from a hard life, a uh, wild living. Uh, God freed them. You know, they were a criminal. God met them in the prison cell. You know, I mean, they're, 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 just, they're just, you know, prior to coming to Christ, man, they, they were somebody you didn't want to meet on the street. You know, that, that's great. And their testimony, man, that... that, that, that is special and God can use their testimony and many times God uses their testimony to speak to those who think they're they're too bad that God can never save them and so God uses somebody like that and says man let me tell you how bad I was let me tell you how wicked I was let me tell you how evil I was but I met Jesus and my life is no longer the same. I'm not that old person anymore. I'm not that same person as I was before coming to know Jesus. And so God is able to use those testimonies. I praise God for people's testimonies like that. And God's able to use it to speak to those who say, you know what? You, you don't understand. You don't understand my, uh, my life. You don't understand the type of person I am. You don't understand the things I'm involved in. You don't understand, man, how deep uh, my life is, and just things that I'm not too proud about. I'm kind of ashamed about. And, 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 and I really don't feel that God could, could ever save me. I feel that I'm too far gone from God's grace. I'm too far gone from his redemption. And listen, when you, when you, when you bring somebody who says, let me tell you my life, let me share with you the, the life I was living and how God saved me and redeemed me, man, that's powerful. So never discredit that testimony, but God can also use a person's testimony and says, man, I, that's not me. I mean, I wasn't freed from drugs, and I wasn't freed from uh, crime and uh, hardcore living. I, I wasn't, I wasn't um, uh, that, that's not the type of person um, that, that, that I, I am or was. It's okay, because your testimony could very well be used by God to speak to those who think they're too good for God's salvation? You know, why do I need? I mean, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I don't, I don't, um, I, I've never killed anybody. Compared to these people over here, I'm an angel, all right. Compared to you know people over here who lie, cheat, steal, and and all that. I mean, i, I for the most part, I'm I'm a good moral person. And so God can use your testimony, who you think is boring, you know, oh, yeah, you know let me tell you about my, my story, whatever. God can use it to minister and to speak to those who think they're too good for God's salvation. So never discredit your, your story. Never think God can't use it. God can use your story to relate to the person. Have you ever noticed... That we, we, how many of you have ever heard of the statement, birds of a feather all flock together? Right. And so what that means is you, you, you hang around people who are like you. What an awesome way for you to t- share your story because your story is going to be able to relate to and resonate with people who are like you. Obviously, you know, um, uh, for, for most of us here, and I could be wrong, there might be a few who say, oh, no, man, I'm, I'm over here in this camp. Man, I was a bad person. I mean, I was involved in, in drugs, and I was involved in wild living, and I was involved in crime, and, 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 and you know, that I'm that hardcore person over here. Uh, but for most of us, we're probably over here that you know we're pretty much average people, and we hang around with average people like us. And so God is able to use our testimony to minister to the people we hang around, we relate with. Here's the bottom line: Before you came to know Jesus, you had a deep inner need there was something in your life that was missing. There was a lack of something in your, there was this realization that there's something missing. For me, I remember. Now, I, now let me say this about our testimony. We, we, not, we might not remember the day we came to Jesus, the hour, the minute, you know, like right to the T. Like, let me tell you, I, was, I, I came to know Jesus on uh, July 4th, 5th at 7 p.m., you know, it was a Saturday. I don't, I don't know the date. I don't know the time. But I do know the surroundings. I know the conditions. I know the people that were involved in my life at that time to bring me to Christ. And, and I'll never forget, uh, there was a, a person who, who I kind of befriended, or he kind of befriended me. His name was Troy. And I was actually uh, working uh, at a country club. I did two things. I, was, I worked at a country club and I also owned a uh, disc jockey business. And so, you know, provided a lot of disc jockey services in, in uh, Palm Beach County and nightclubs. And so, do that at night. And then I worked in the club during the day, uh, the country club in the day. And there was a guy in the country club named Troy. And Troy, man, this guy had Jesus written all over him. I mean, he was just so incredible. Uh, he just loved the Lord, and uh, you know, at first, you know, we all made fun of Troy. Uh, you know, we we kind of picked on him for his faith, and you know what, boy, he he just he just smiled. He was never defensive. Uh, he never, you know, tried to get us into a Bible debate and any of that stuff. Man, he just, boy, he was just true. He was genuine. He was authentic. And I remember, you know, break time, lunch time, whatever, Troy would go to his 1969. Uh, Volkswagen Beetle Bug. Remember the old Beetle Bugs, uh, man, every, every and he had the surfer. He was a surfer dude. He had surf racks on the on the Beetle Bug. And every you know break time, lunch time, he would go out to his car and he would read his Bible and he would pray. And you know us, us we'd pick on him. You know we'd call him Bible Boy and you know just kind of be really really ugly. But I want to be honest with you. I was observing Troy's life and then I, I something. I said, man, I want that. Man, I want what he has. Man, this guy has, I mean, this guy, boy, just an overwhelming sense of peace. Not a lot of things ruffle his feathers. Man, he's he just, man, he's fun to be around. Not in a bad way, but a good way. You know, he's an encourager, man. I want what he has, and so I started to just kind of talk to Troy, and, and we built a relationship, and we talked and talked and talked. And every time we talked, well, he'd share about Jesus, and he talked about God, you know, God's salvation, God's plan, and 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 for me, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, I was raised in a Christian church, uh, so I mean, I knew all about Jesus. I had facts about Jesus. I could tell you who Jesus was. I could tell you he died on the cross. I Tell you all about that. I had knowledge about Jesus, but until I. I met Troy, man, I had an experience. And so when, when you start to share your story, man, there, there's your life before Christ, man, maybe you're here this morning and your life before Christ, man, you were man, just you were lacking peace. There's this uneasiness in your heart. Maybe um, that you were missing something, loneliness. There was some unmet need in your life. And you were trying to fill that need some other way. And that's, that's our before story. That's our before. And then, then, then we move to, well, how, how? How did you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? What were the events? As I shared with you, God used Troy in my life. For me, I realized that I was living my life away from God i realized that i thought i didn't need god for me you know i i I was young i was in my 20s i was an entrepreneur i was making money at night during the day uh successful and and i thought you know what what do i need god for i don't need somebody telling me how to live my life I don't need the rules. I don't need to regulate. I don't, I don't need to be bogged down on, you know, go to church on Sunday. You know, listen, Saturday night, I'm working clubs. I've, I'm out there. I've got DJs I need to work. Sunday morning, man, that's, that's my day to sleep in. But as Troy began to share Jesus and what God has done for me, it just broke my heart. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget saying to Troy, man, I... I don't understand everything you're saying, Troy, but I want it. And I want to know Jesus. I want to know him like you know him. Listen to Paul's description of how he came to know Jesus. Acts chapter 22, verse 6. He says, about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. He says, I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting, he replied. You see, prior to this moment, Saul had heard about Jesus, right? In fact, he wanted to stop the spread of Christianity. He had heard about Christ. He had facts about Christ. He had information about Christ. He had knowledge about Christ, right? But now he personally, he had a come to Jesus moment, and it changed his life. So how did did you come to know Christ? What was your life prior to Christ? And then what were the events uh, surrounding you coming to know Jesus Christ personally? Uh, The third component, component is this. How has your life changed after coming to know Jesus Christ? You see, a person who has genuinely experienced Jesus Christ, their life is no longer going to be the same. Now, does that mean instantaneous? Does that mean you know, once I come, Jesus, uh, once I come to Jesus, you know, the next day, man, I'm I'm just like, woo! I'm totally changed. No, no, no. God begins this process and this work in your life called sanctification, where He begins to make you, begins to make me more like Jesus, and it's a process. It's a day-to-day walk with the Lord. It's a day-to-day uh, work of the Lord uh, in my life and in your life. It doesn't happen, you know, automatically we just wake up and now woo, we're, everything is gone. No. He begins to work His, his, his Spirit in our life. Look at verse 23. Paul says, they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And guess what? They praise God because of me. Paul says, listen, I'm I'm not the same person that I was before. I used to be Saul, now I'm Paul. I used to hate the church, now I love the church. I used to hate Christ, now I love Christ. Before, as Saul, man, I wanted to stop Christianity. And now, as Paul, man, I'm starting churches. And they praise God because of the change that God had done in his life. You see, he was no longer the same person. The Bible teaches us this, that anyone who is in Christ Jesus, they have become a new creation. And so a person who comes to Christ, man, you're a new person. You're not the same person that you were before. In fact, we see this over and over again throughout Scripture. We see people who had a genuine encounter with Jesus, man, they were changed. There was a difference in their life. Let me give you a, a few. I was just thinking of some examples. Remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector? Man, he was a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. And nobody, Zacchaeus, you know, on Zacchaeus' Facebook page, man, he has like four friends, and that's it. And they're all fellow tax collectors. Man, the guy had no friends. He had no life. He's he, he's looked down upon. Uh, man, he's he, he's 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 just wicked. He's evil. Yet Jesus. Calls out to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has an encounter with Christ. Jesus says, look, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming over to your house. And from this point on, Zacchaeus is no longer the same person. He says, look, man, I'm, I'm going to give back everything that I took. I mean, everything. There's been a change in his life. That's Zacchaeus. Remember the woman at the well? Remember her story? Remember her testimony? Her testimony was, man, she, 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 couldn't, have, she couldn't keep a relationship to save her life. All right? She'd been through failed relationships, failed marriages, and I mean, just over and over and over again. But guess what? She had an encounter with Jesus Christ. She had a come-to-Jesus moment at the well, at an unlikely time, at an unlikely place, with an unlikely person, right? And, and Jesus man, Jesus changes her life, and she's no longer the same. In fact, the Bible tells us that she left her pail, the very pail that she came to get water. She left it, and she went back to the city to tell everybody in the city the good news about Jesus. Her life was changed. Peter, Peter, before he came to know Jesus, was just an average fisherman, just an everyday worker average person. But then he comes in contact with Jesus, and Jesus changes his life. That's Peter, the woman who touched the hem of Jesus's robe. If you remember this uh, woman, we don't know her name, we don't know uh, her age, but we do know her condition. She has an incurable disease. She has this flow of blood, and um, because of this, she has no money. She's wasted well, I don't say wasted. She's uh, used up all of her money trying to uh, get a a cure for this incurable disease. She can't go to the she can't go to the temple to worship because of her flow of blood. She's considered unholy. She's considered untouchable. And and you know she 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 out of faith she reaches and she touches the hem of Jesus. And guess what? Her life is no longer the same. That's her. The lepers, the blind men Bart bar, uh, Bartimaeus, over and over again, we see uh, people who had a real, genuine encounter with Jesus and they left changed as a result. I will always argue for those who've really, all right, truly experienced Jesus Christ, man, your life is no longer going to be the same. It's going to be changed. Now, there were some who did have an encounter with Jesus, all right, there were some who, who had a face-to-face with Jesus, who met Jesus, who, who literally saw Jesus. They, they were there, and, and, and they left unchanged. Two, two people I can think of are two groups that I can think of. One group I can think of and one person I can think of. One group were the religious folks, all right? The religious people, all right? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, all right? These are people who hung on to their rules, their law, their commandments, and all of that. They saw Jesus, and guess what? They, 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 they weren't changed by Christ. Another person I'm thinking of is the young rich ruler. For 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 what we know, he comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus knew that he was trusting in his riches to save him. He was trusting in his riches to make him a good person. And Jesus cut to the to the chase there and told him what he must do. And the Bible tells us that he walked away sorrowful. He wasn't changed. And always, I will always contend and I'll always argue that a person who has a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ, man, their life is no longer the same. There's been a change in their life. We see this. We see this all through Scripture. We see this from Abraham. We see this from Jacob. Remember, Jacob wrestled with God. God touched the socket of uh, Jacob's hip. And from that point on, Jacob had a real encounter with God, a real uh, uh Come to Jesus moment there, and God touched his hip. And you know, from that point on, Jacob walked differently. People could look and say, man, there's something different about you. You think? God touched my hip. I wrestled with God. Likewise, for us as believers, man, when people look at our life, they should see that there's been a change. How has, how has your life changed uh, coming to christ what is god doing in your life now you know we tend to you know salvation understanding the testimony that's great and i think that we, you know, we we should we should be ready to share our testimony how we came to know jesus but so often we we use that as a past event when we we need to understand that currently god is working in our life now here's how god is working in my life god is teaching me uh to to um, uh, to be patient god is teaching me to uh, talk less, listen more. God is teaching me to trust Him more. You know, God, God is working in my life in this situation right now, currently like this. And that's to share your, your story. Second observation. Here's why. Here's why God wants you to share your story. Here's why it's so important for us to be able to share, to communicate our life before we came to know Jesus, how we came to know Jesus, what our life is like now since we've known Jesus, and what God is currently doing in our life. Here's why this is so important. because God wants to reveal His Son in us. He wants to reveal Christ in our life. He wants others to see Christ. He wants others to see how God's grace was applied to your life. We were all trophies of God's grace. I remember in high school, I went to Forest Hill High School uh, right here in uh, Palm Beach County, and uh, man, we had an incredible uh, athletic department. We had incredible football team, uh, soccer team, baseball team, you know, district champs, swimming, you name the sport, and at the time, back in the 80s, Forest Hill High School was was top of their game, and when you would walk into the gymnasium from the front entrance, or you walk in, you walk up these stairs, and, and it's not the same gym anymore, as I drive by Forest Hill, I notice, boy, that's not the, even the same place anymore, uh, but when, when I was there, you walk up the stairs, you walk into uh, the gymnasium, and and on both sides of the wall, Were these huge uh, trophy cases. And in them were were all the trophies that the school has won and and the banners and just the accolades of our athletic department. You walk in, you were just, if if you were a home team and you were visiting, your team was playing our team, you walked in, you'd be like, yeah, right, let's just go home. There's no way we're going to win. All right? Let me tell you, God has a trophy case. And in his trophy case is you. You're a trophy of his grace. All the world's to look at 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 what God has done at you and say, man, that's incredible. How awesome God's grace is. You know, as you look at Paul's life, that's that's what Paul was saying: look, I'm 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 a trophy of God's grace. This is what God has done in my life. I used to be this person, but I came to know Jesus. My life is no longer the same and now God is working in my life this way to reveal Christ in me so that others will take a look at me and not say man Paul you're awesome Paul well you got it all together Paul aren't you proud of all the work you've done for Christ Aren't you proud of all the churches that you've started? Aren't you proud of... I mean, here you are, and you're so animately against false teaching. And, I mean, you're bold. You're bold with that pen, Paul. And you're bold in your speech. Paul, Paul aren't you proud of your accomplishments? Paul would say, look, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to boast about what Christ has done for me, not, not what I've done for Christ. See, Paul understood that. They say, they only heard the report. Paul says, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And guess what? They praised God. They didn't praise Paul. They praised God because of this, because of him. Here's the challenge. For us as Bible-believing Christians who love Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We've, we've trusted in Jesus. we placed our faith in Jesus. Our hope is built on nothing less than the blood of Christ's righteousness. We, 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 know, all the, we, know, we know all the songs and we know all the, the language. We know all of that. But when people look at your life, Do they see Christ in you? Do they see Jesus? Or do they just see you? You see, that that's that's my prayer. My prayer is when people look at my life, don't don't see me, don't see my faults, don't see my flaws. And and unfortunately, a lot of people do that, right? They look at me and they say, Well, yeah, you're not perfect. I, I know I'll be the first to tell you I'm not perfect. And if you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you I'm not perfect. And it's perfectly fine. I have flaws. I have failures. I have shortcomings. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. But you know what? Jesus is. And if you're looking for perfection, if you're looking for someone who has it all together, if you're looking for someone who never makes a mistake, if you're looking for someone who is spotless, if you're looking for someone who is praiseworthy, it's not me. It's Jesus, and that should be our mindset. God wants to reveal Jesus in your life. So here's our homework. If you haven't done this already, here, here's the challenge. Here's what I want you to do. All right, as we leave, I want you to go home and I want you to work on this. Your testimony, your story, right? If 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 the courts called you up and you were subpoenaed to go to court for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? What would your testimony be? What would, you, what would, what, what would it be? What's your story? Work on your story. Work on your testimony. What was your life like prior? So it's before, how, after. After. It doesn't have to be long. It just has to be personal. It has to be sincere. You know, I, I want to kind of close with this because I think you know I love evangelism training, and there's a lot of great resources out there. Whether it's Evangelism Explosion, which is very popular. Uh, there's faith training. There's uh, an old, old uh, training uh, back in the day called CWT. It was called, con- or CWT, it stands for uh, Continue Witness Training. And these are great training modules or curriculum and they teach you you know uh, how to share the gospel how to share your faith and sometimes uh, we can get so focused on that and making sure that we we put uh, point a uh, before point b and not the other way around and we get so focused on the presentation all right then we do just being real that's what people are looking for they're looking for authenticity. They're, looking, they're not looking... You know, I, I laugh when I get phone calls from phone solicitors. Um, I don't laugh at that because that irritates me. Uh, but I laugh when I get one and, and I could tell it's a script. Uh, is this Michael... Lolo, how do you say your name? <laughs> Labruto. Hi, Mike. This is John, and I am with the sales department over here at blah, blah, blah. And I am calling to let you know of a great sale we have over at our store. If you would like, you I'm like, dude, you've lost me. I could tell it's a script. I could tell you, you, you're really not passionate about your job. I could tell you're really not passionate about the sale. I am re- tell you really, you don't believe what you're saying. That's, that's my impression when I hear scripts it's just something you've memorized something you've just committed to memory and you're just hi my name is Mike and I'm a Christian I would like to tell you about Jesus one day I was lost but now I'm found and we just it's like yawn man that's that's Christianity to you I don't want to be bored like that man I can tell you're really excited yeah, keep, keep that to yourself, right? <laughs> and Christ, it should be real. It should be authentic. Man, let me tell you about my, my experience with Jesus. Let me tell you about my life prior uh, to coming to know Jesus. Let me tell you, man, it's, it's, it's about being real, authentic. So that's your homework. That's your homework. Let's close with this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Maybe you know about Jesus, you've had facts, but you've never had a "Come to Jesus moment. You've never had a personal encounter with Jesus. You've just heard about Jesus. Maybe God's been working in your life. there's something you, you have a realization, man, there's something missing in your life. Let me encourage you, you can come to Christ. God loves you so much that He sent Jesus Christ to die for your wrongdoing, for my wrongdoings. Jesus came to save us he came to set us free and when we understand that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin for our wrongdoing and that once we come to once we accept Jesus once we trust in him and our life will no longer be the same so I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed